Good morning, new community. Happy November. Uh, as I've been reflecting the past couple weeks on the idea of Thanksgiving, uh, I was just reminded of a few verses in... Okay, I'll, I'll be right there. Good morning, new community. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, this past week I've been reflecting on the idea of Thanksgiving and... What? What, what, do you, what do you mean he left the house? Like actually walked out of the house? Okay, I'll be right there. Good morning, new community. Welcome to our November service. It's so good to be with you again, even though it's virtual. I... What did I say last time you asked? No. No. You're supposed to be doing schoolwork right now. Aren't you supposed to be on that, that Zoom thing? I... Good morning, new community. Welcome to... Why are you naked? All right, good morning, newcom. We're gonna go for an intro in the car. No one's out here right now, so. Welcome to our November service. We are so excited that you know what, Newcom? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you, Tara, for that great intro to our November service. Uh, I feel like that's a very accurate representation of trying to get anything done these days. Um, like Tara said, welcome. New community, we are so glad you are here and that you've chosen to join us this morning. Uh, my prayer is that this will just be a time where you can rest and be filled and be encouraged and be challenged. So we are going to enter into a time of worship right now. And my encouragement to you would be to just take a breath and take a moment and pause and just center yourself and put yourself in a place that Maybe put yourself in a posture that will allow you to experience the love of the Lord. So please join us in this time of worship. Today there's no reason 
This is Brie Werheen. Please join me for the call to worship this morning. You will see the words on the side of the screen as I begin to read. O oh Father, in this time of worship, we invite your presence. May we hear from you, and may you teach us what we do not know, show us what we do not see, provide for us what we do not have, make us what we are not, inspire us for what we do not feel, and give us an appetite for what we do not crave. In all things, wherever we are, may we be enabled to do your work. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning, new community. This is Tori. And this is Hans. We hope you are surviving this October snow. We are not just surviving, we are thriving because we get married in 41 days. <laughs> but who's counting? <laughs> and now we invite you to join us in listening or reading along with our reading from Zephaniah. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. We now invite you to join us in a virtual greeting time down in the chat.
Good morning, kids come. Today we are going to be learning about Zephaniah in the Bible um, and how the people were told to be glad, sing praises, and rejoice with all their heart. And we'll learn a little bit about this later this morning. But there is one group of people uh, who we would like to specifically give our praises to this morning. These people are, um, they have worked so hard to care for us, um, to help us learn. And I think they're pretty much superheroes. Can you guys guess who I'm thinking of? I'll give you a hint. They may be sitting in the room with you or you may see them on your screen during the week. They're our teachers this year. Uh, this year has started a little different, I bet, for some of us. The one helping you uh, may be one of your parents or relatives or a family friend, or maybe it's your teacher who you thought you'd have all year. We want to make sure to honor and sing praises to these people in our lives right now because they truly are putting in the time and energy to make sure you are taken care of and that you are learning. So for this morning, we have uh, three things that I want you to do. So the first thing, if your teacher is in the room with you right now, I want you to pause and I want you to give them a big hug. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to sing praises and tell them what you appreciate about them. You can either write this down to give to your teacher tomorrow or tell them if they are in the room with you right now. And make sure it's something specific. Like an example would be, I really appreciate when you encourage me to try my best. Or I appreciate when you help me with my computer and setting it up so I can learn. And the third thing I want you to do this morning is pick one thing today, one thing today to show your teacher how much you appreciate them. Um, helping you during this uncertain time. And this could be an example, be doing the dishes. I know we all love that one. Uh, for them after lunch, uh, if your teacher is your parent. Or this could be uh, maybe drawing your teacher a picture and putting it in a card to send to them at school. Or this could be vacuuming the floors. That's my favorite chore uh, for them. Uh, maybe this evening, but whatever you think uh, to show them your appreciation will be awesome today. So remember three things. Be glad and give your teacher a hug or maybe a virtual hug. Sing praises by acknowledging what you appreciate about your teacher and rejoice with all your heart by doing something for them to show your appreciation. Teachers, 
parent teachers, uh, we see you, we appreciate you, and know that you are the glue that holds our households together right now. Love you, teachers. Good morning, new community. It is so good to be together with you this morning. Uh, will you notice a few things that are a little bit different? First, Hope and I are here together this morning on the video cast and are excited about that. Um, those of you that don't know Hope, uh, she is an elder in our community. And uh, there is a passage in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter six, talks about how do you choose leaders and in it, it describes a deacon or an elder as someone full of the Holy Spirit and like courage. And that's something that I think of when I think of hope. She's been an incredible leader in our community for several years. And um, I'm excited about the opportunity to speak with her today. You will also notice that we have the shield in front of us that we use for all of our videos and Kevin's fine construction on the wood. Shout out, Kevin. It's looking really good. It's super sturdy. Uh, but in addition, you'll notice the masks. So uh, by, well, how do we describe it? Basically, uh, exposed a little bit, maybe third person? Third person. Third person with uh, awaiting a test. And so instead of... Uh, putting ourselves in compromising situations, we decided to mask up. Hopefully the audio will be fine and you can hear us uh, quite well. Uh, we are continuing our series, Distant Cousins and Weird Uncles. We're looking at the prophets. So uh, the Old Testament has always been really challenging for me. And over the last couple of years, I have been really challenged by New Community and a couple of other sources to look at the Bible in a new way. And I've learned so many cool things about God. So that's why I've been so excited about the um, Minor Prophet series. And I'm really honored to be here with you guys today. So thank you. Um, as we've gone through the series, I've really challenged myself to look at these books through a specific lens. And it's been really helpful for me. So I wanted to share those with you guys this morning. Uh, first is that each of the minor prophets or the men um, were completely countercultural for their time. And I think many of us would say that they're also very countercultural to the time that we're in today. And that can feel really uncomfortable and feel a lot of tension there. Um, but I want to encourage everybody to sit in that uncomfortability and in that tension and be willing to hear the voice of the prophet. Uh, the second thing is that each of these prophets have something that they're trying to communicate to us. And with that, they're calling us to act or calling for a response from us. So having us each listen to what that response could be. And then lastly, asking ourselves, how does this relate to us as individuals? And how does this relate to us as the universal church? And what can we do from there? Awesome. At this point in the series, you've probably picked up on some themes, uh, themes of fallenness, opportunity for redemption, and the faithfulness of God. Uh, you've noticed that, um, hopefully, as we've gone through each of the books. For example, uh, Hosea, once we were prostitutes, and yet God continued to pursue us and remain faithful to us. Joel kind of outlines this terrifying picture of judgment. And that is designed to awaken our imagination to the things of God. Amos outlines the fact that we're fallen and yet restoration is offered to all of God's people. Obadiah, that each of us is guilty in Edom, 
and yet there's salvation in Jacob. In Jonah, when we worship idols, we forfeit the grace that could be ours. And in Micah, we look at God calling out our hypocrisy, silencing us, all setting it up to then save us or rescue us. Nahum was a really difficult or challenging text to read and causes us to question our understanding of who God is, but at the same time reveals a God that's completely in control of our lives. So you see this continued theme of fallenness, opportunity for redemption, and grace. And then last week, Russ went over Habakkuk, um, which was wonderful. And if you haven't listened to it, I would encourage everybody to go listen to it. But in that, he talked about how we are in a time of worry, anxiety, and fear. That's the leading motion uh, emotion in our world today, um, just as it was back in the time of that minor prophet. Um, but that God is bigger than that, and he is more pow- powerful than anything that um, could be challenging us. And he left us with um, the words from Julian of Norwich. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Um, And then this week, we're moving on to the book of Zephaniah. So Zephaniah was likely written between 641 and 612 BC. And if you don't know anything about Judah and Israel's history at this time, um, I can probably sum it up with this, that it was really, really bad, sin was abounding everywhere, and that it was getting worse and worse. Um, Just to give you guys a little bit of an idea of how bad it had gotten, I'm going to just read you the first few verses of Zephaniah 1. It says, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble when I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth. Um, Oh, Palmer Robertson said it like this. One of the most awesome descriptions of the wrath of God and judgment found anywhere in scripture appears in these opening verses of Zephaniah. The totality of the cosmos shall be consumed in his burning anger. The very order of creation shall be overturned. You know, I was actually reading that first little um, verse to Derek this morning and the boys were playing in the living room and Parks, my three-year-old overheard me say, that he was going to wipe out all of the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. And Parks comes running over and says, not the fish in the sea. I love the fish in the sea. Um, But it just was like a a picture for me of, wow, this is really, really bad. Mm. Um, And then in verse 17, it gets even worse if it can. It says, I will bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. That just like makes me cringe on the inside. And that's for somebody that has grown up in the church and also understands the love of God. So when I imagine somebody reading that for the first time, um, I can imagine how terrible it is. In fact, Richard Dawkins, who's a famous atheist, um, when he read that, interpreted it this way. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction, jealous and proud, petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. He then goes on to list a number of other horrible, horrible things. So setting it up there, it was bad. Real bad. That's so described uh, awful. First part of Zephaniah and really the majority of the book is exactly what we're afraid of. And that is that God 
is angry and that we are doomed because we are sinners. And it's only a matter of time before we and the rest of the world are in a lot of trouble. And this is the feeling of the book, that God is angry. However, Zephaniah seems to have a bit of a change of heart between the beginning of the book and then the ending. Zephaniah moves from this description of God being judgmental, wrathful, and shifts the description to one of the most moving depictions of the love of God and his people found anywhere in the scriptures. God moves from this big, unnasty, like horrible, unpleasant character to being a big, sappy teddy bear, reveling in the love and affection that he has for his people. And Zephaniah follows this prophetic pattern again, that things are bad, however, there is good news. And with that as a backdrop to our passage this morning, we would love for you to turn with us to the book of Zephaniah chapter 3. Hope is going to read uh, from Zephaniah 3, verses 14 through 20. Okay. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all of your oppressors and I will save the lame, gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all of the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, I will gather you together for I will make you renowned and praised among all the people of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. So you can see there's quite a shift there. And uh, first we're gonna look at verse 14. Now in verse 14, Zephaniah is actually giving us a command. He says four different verses, sorry, four different verbs. Sing, shout, rejoice, and exult. It's almost like he um, is saying four different things in the same way to rouse us to action. He's saying something big is about to happen, so get ready for it. Yeah, and as Hope said, this is a command, a command to praise, to sing, to shout, to offer thanksgiving. And the reason for that thanksgiving, if you're listening to the verses, it really comes from verse 15. So verse 14 is this command saying, do this, praise God. Verse 15 gives us the reason, and it says this, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. So what the Lord is doing is he's offering hope in the midst of judgment. But I have to be honest, a lot of times when we hear that after reading several chapters of doom and gloom and despair is that we sometimes cling to reasons for why we deserve judgment. So we come up with these but statements. So for example, I'm too guilty. I'm too unworthy. My sin is too great. My shame overwhelms me. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. And the prophet is reminding us here in verse 13 or verse 15 
the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. So pause just a moment and think about that. Sit in wonder at the fact that God has forgiven you, that any condemnation has been lifted and there is no need to feel shame. But again, we come up with another excuse. But I'm surrounded by enemies. Obstacles press against me on every side. People are making my life miserable. Right now I'm very, uh, I'm struggling with family relationships or circumstances at work, at home, or wherever are dragging me down. And the prophet again says in verse 15, the Lord has cleared away your enemies. Again, pause and sit in wonder that the fact that God is doing everything that needs to be done for you to enjoy your relationship with him. Believe that the enemies and the oppressors are not too strong for God. Believe that the um, struggles and the circumstances that are overwhelming you, that God knows and is aware and is dealing with those. Again, another one we might say on occasion, but God feels like he's so far away. He feels so distant. He's got other things more important than me uh, to worry about. More important people, more important circumstances. Why would he pay attention to me and my struggles? The prophet again says, the king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. God is not far from you. He's not far from me. It staggers my imagination, but it is the reality that the God who is universal is also personally present with everyone. And so we have this long history of hope in spite of condemnation. It reminds us of the passage in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, where it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Yeah, and as Russ just said, this is written for us, and we all experience that. Um, but I do think he mentions a few specific groups of people that this is written Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Uh, so in verses 14 through 17, we see that they're written in the past tense. It says things like, the Lord has taken away punishment. But then in verse 18 through 20, the verb tense actually shifts to, from talking about something that will happen in the past to something that's going to happen in the future. And we get a series of I will statements from God or promises that God is making. So he says, I will gather those who mourn. I will deal with the oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise. I will gather you. I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise. So I think four different groups of people stand out to me that God is mentioning specifically. So first, is those who mourn for this festival and suffer reproach. Um, this is in verse 18. So this is talking about the people who are grieving because they don't have a place to worship um, or feel like they have a time and a place where they're welcome. And if you're looking at the history of the church, you have the holies of holies, where there's the priest, the one person allowed to be in the presence of God. And then you move further out, and next you have the men. And then a little further out, you have the women and the children. And then further out again, you have the slave, the Gentile, the foreigner, the refugee. And then further out from there, even outside of the temple, you have those with disabilities, those outcasts, those with sexual differences that aren't even welcome in the church. 
And unfortunately, I don't feel like we've moved that far from that. Um, the churches continue to perpetuate um, pushing people away from God and not giving pl- people a place to worship and know God better. So I think God is specifically speaking to those people in this. Mm. Um, secondly, I think he says to those who are oppressed in verse 19. Third, the lame and the outcast, ashamed without renown, or the forgotten and despised, and also verse 19. And then lastly, the marginalized and the people who are scattered from God. Um, so I know we've heard all of this before because it's one of our favorite things to talk about. Totally. <laughs> um, but God has a special affinity for those who don't have any status, who are oppressed and who are marginalized. Um, So through the entire narrative of the Bible, we see God reaching out to the slave, the widow, caring for the refugee, um, caring for those who don't have a place and don't belong. Yeah, if if God has preferential favor for anyone, it is for the poor, the marginalized, those overlooked, forgotten. Uh, God loves all of us. 100%. But I think there is a special place in his heart for those people that Hope just mentioned. In fact, you see it in the teachings of Jesus. When you come to the Sermon on the Mount, especially in the Beatitudes, Jesus says things like this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the good news that we often talk about, that God is declaring blessing on those that society would say are least blessed. He's declaring favor and welcome to those who are the ones that are being marginalized and kept at distance from the church or from the temple. Uh, Raymond Ortland, a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, often opens services by saying something along these lines. He would welcome people in and then begin by saying, To all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares, to all who are weak and fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a Savior, This church opens wide her doors with welcome from Jesus, a mighty friend of sinners, an ally of his enemies, the defender of the indefensible, the justifier of those who have no excuses left. This posture is the posture of Jesus. It is the posture of God that we read here in Zephaniah chapter 3. Uh, So let's just take a moment to pause, and we're going to throw up some questions that you guys can talk about in small groups. Um, So first, we have been commanded commanded to praise by singing, shout, rejoice, and exult. So what is something you are currently offering as praise to God? Second, Romans 8.1 tells that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So where in your life do you need this truth to wash over feelings of guilt, shame, or being less than. And lastly, the good news is for those who mourn, who are oppressed, the forgotten, the overlooked, the weary, the outcast, the refugee, the marginalized. Who are these people in your life, and how can we as a community and individually minister during this time? So take those questions with you this week to small group. Uh, Reflect on them yourself before small group. 
Um, maybe take some time with a friend or an accountability partner to really wrestle through how is this passage in Zephaniah affecting you and the way you'll live in the world. This takes us to a verse that we skipped, which you probably noticed, and this really talks about the God of good news. And uh, all throughout Zephaniah, you see this God revealed to us, even in the midst of what sounds like horrific judgment. So the way that Dawkins describes who God is, or the way that we see this imposing figure uh, of wrathful judgment. At the same time, Zephaniah says that we have this speaking God in verse 1, chapter 1. We see him describing God as a mighty God, a God as righteous and just, a God who changes hearts, provides refuge, a God that is ever-present, and a God of love who sings over or delights himself in his children. Uh, C. Baxter Kruger, in speaking of the point of the prodigal son parable, says this, God gets undignified because he's so excited to see his children come home. He does things flamboyantly and excitedly. He parties. He gets funky. God is not cold and distant. He is not composed and prudent. He lavishly and with exuberance pours out his love to his people and he sings while he does it. And this captures really this idea of the last verse. Verse 17, which says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So the first little phrase, The Lord your God is in your midst. The New Living Translation describes it this way, For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. God has arrived to live with us. He's here in the midst of all the details, all the frustrations, all the disappointments. Throughout this season of life we're in, He is here. He's present. doesn't matter if you're fixing the washing machine, doing a workout, baking for the family, getting homework done, feeling like you're sitting in front of a Zoom camera all day long. God is present and has arrived to live among you. Then goes on and says, he will rejoice over you with gladness. God takes such great delight in us. He then says he will quiet you by his love, or a different translation would say he will be silent in his love. And I love this word picture because I imagine myself holding my daughter Lane when I'm not doing anything, I'm not saying anything, and love is just pouring out of me and it just is overwhelming. And Or when a spouse um, looks at, they look at each other and they don't have to say anything because there's just wordless adoration, acceptance, and understanding between them. Mm. And I'm just amazed that that's how God feels about us. Yeah. The last uh, phrase is that God will exalt or rejoice over you with loud singing. Uh, Sometimes I think it's hard for me to imagine God as singing. I imagine him as being stoic, uh, put together, um, having things kind of buttoned up. And this is describing a God that's so happy that he can't contain himself. 
It's like how you feel when you're driving in the car or singing in the shower and there's this energy and exuberance and excitement and you just can't help but sing. And you might have a horrible voice and it might not sound that great, uh, but there's something that comes from inside of you. And this is the same God that spoke into existence everything by saying, let there be light. That voice that reverberated throughout the universe and created everything we know is now the voice that is singing. And the reason he's singing is because we are his. It's staggering to think about that God is rejoicing over you, over me, over us, with all of his heart and all of his soul. And that this is true for all of his children. God finds great delight and joy and a source of unending happiness in you. And God loves you deeply. Uh, so as you guys have seen, Zephaniah shows us that God's posture towards us has nothing to do with a response to our action or a reflection of what we have done or haven't done. Um, but his love is all-consuming and requires nothing in response. Um, so as we go forward today, my prayer is that we can be the type of people and the church that exhibit that same type of love to our neighbors, our friends, our community, and especially to those people who have been excluded by the church. Um, so let's go ahead and pray together. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for today and getting to worship together as a community and um, just see each other's comments and faces. I thank you for Zephaniah and the reminder that you are God who sings over us and loves us lavishly and doesn't hold back, um, and that you care about the poor and the outcast, um, and help us to be a community that also loves those people well, um, and we go forth today with an action to what you are calling us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And now, new community, let's pray our corporate prayer together. You can join by reading out loud the sections marked community. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many nations be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings lit up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. All the peoples see his glory. Let all those be ashamed who worship graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears this and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you are the Lord Most High over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. Our God preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name.
And now, having read our corporate prayer, let's come to the table with gratitude. As we prepare to take communion, be sure to grab the elements of bread or a cracker and wine or juice. And after we're finished praying, Rebecca and Rachel will lead us in a few more songs together. During our singing, you'll have plenty of time and space to reflect and take the elements as you feel led. Father, Son, and Spirit, we come to the table this morning with gratitude. It is truly right and just always and everywhere to give you thanks. We pause and remember your faithfulness. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these elements, we pray. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. As your people, O God, called from darkness into light, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Amen.
In your presence, Lord. 
more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Thou New community, let's uh, leave with this benediction. New community, go now and rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be afraid or worried about anything, but in everything, trust God and pray. Bear fruits worthy of repentance, sharing what you have and being gentle with all. May God rejoice over you with gladness. May Jesus Christ renew you in his love. And may the Holy Spirit give you peace beyond understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen. 
Amen. Love you, new community. Bye, guys.